It is the responsibility of the music team, the worship team, to lead us to the throne as we corporately worship the Lord. And every Sunday uh, when we meet before the service and we pray, there is a, a, a very strong uh, agreement among us that our desire is that the Lord be magnified and that we not. We know the tendency that anybody who is up here to want to feel good about what you do and want others to think you're doing a good job and all of those things. And so we are constantly putting this before the Lord. Please, you be the one that is magnified, not us. I think the worship team did very well this morning. Do not applaud, please. That's the point. Not that I'm against applause, but this morning, I just want us to give thanks for these guys and the way that they do that, the way that they they lead us to the throne. Father, we do thank you for being magnified in our midst this morning. And we thank you for, uh, Lord, the, the submission, the humility of the team that leads us. And we know that's a struggle. We all know that. We all recognize what a struggle it is to make sure that you are the one who is serving and moving through us and that we are giving glory to you. And Father, indeed, as we think this morning about Walking in the flesh versus walking in the Spirit. We pray that our hearts, Lord, all of us, might have a strong desire for you to be central and magnified, for Jesus to be magnified in our hearts. And that as He is lifted up in our lives, then it's just quite natural for us to walk in the Spirit according to the cadence of the Spirit that is heard in your Word. So we give thanks for these who spend a lot of time, Lord, preparing. And they give thought to the excellence of what it is that they do to lead us to worship. We just want to thank you for that. Our hearts are toward you, Lord. Fill them this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. When it comes to choices, what kind of a person are you? Are you one of the, the kind of people who uh, likes a lot of choices out in front of you? Or are you one of those people that when you see too many choices, you know, you just, uh, uh, and, 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 and as far as working, you, will, you want somebody, just give me a task. Just tell me what to do and I'll get it done. I'm going to... I'm, I'm much better if you'll just tell me what's expected of me and I'll do it. Some people don't like that. They like the freedom. Some people like... To be told what it is that they're supposed to do. And then they do a very good job with it. You know, it, it takes all kinds to make the world go round, doesn't it? Aren't you glad that everybody's not exactly like you? I know you're glad that everybody's not exactly like me. But aren't you glad that they're not exactly like you also? You know, even if you would prefer so, for someone to help you with your choices. All of us have to make multiple decisions about how we're going to live, what we're going to do, what we're going to choose day in and day out. Today's message is about choices. You know, we're going to all continue until the day that we die to, to be faced with a variety of issues that will require us to make this decision or that or even choose from a, a number of options. But the basic direction and tenor of our lives is going to be determined by the choice that we make about who it is that's going to be in control of our lives. Is it going to be the flesh or the spirit? Is it going to be God's Holy Spirit or is it going to be the real me? 
Now, that, you don't hear that phrase too much these days. You used to hear it all the time. I just want you to know and love the real me. Well, guess what? The real me is the flesh. It's the flesh. So who's going to be in charge? The Lord or me? You know, there's a very thorough discussion about the war between the spirit and the flesh in the book of Galatians. Now, when we think of the flesh, we tend to think of all the bad things that we do. You know, that the things that embarrass us, like, oh, I can't believe I did that. Flesh was really in control today. I'm so, I'm so, Lord, please forgive me. I did, I said that. I looked at that. I, I, um, I had this attitude. I, but in the book of Galatians, the problem with the flesh was all the good things that it was doing. Paul was saying, you know, you think you're good enough because you keep the law. You think you're good enough to get to heaven. But but don't you know that that is just the flesh in you? And you'll never be good enough. It's the problem of sin that started with Adam and Eve. And it continues to this day. None of us can make it, make ourselves good enough to be accepted by the Lord. And so Paul was saying it just absolutely is impossible. Therefore, repent, believe that Jesus died for your sins. And you will find freedom in Christ. And in fact, that freedom will enable you to live the way that you've always wanted to. And it will be more than just an adherence to certain rules and regulations. It'll be the spirit that goes with it. This law of joy, peace, all these things. There's no law against those things. So find freedom in Jesus. We know that Jesus gives us freedom from a law that we're unable to keep. And, and, and in fact, the law that stirs these feelings of pride in our lives about the accomplishments that we have achieved. But freedom, and, and we get freedom from that in Jesus, but freedom brings problems of its own. I mean, those who have been set free in Jesus can easily find themselves developing a mentality of, well, you know, this sin is okay because I'm, I'm right with Jesus and I'm saved and... And that's really the important thing. And we start saying, hey, don't be so legalistic. It's all right for me to do this. I got freedom in Jesus. Well, the Lord would say through Paul in Galatians, uh-uh, that's not what I'm talking about. When I'm talking about freedom, I'm not talking about freedom to live any way you want to. And that's where we pick up this thought in Galatians 5, verses 13 to 26. That's our text today. We're going to uh, read this text, and then we're going to look at some of the ways that, that some of the manifestations in our lives when we're walking in the flesh or when we're walking in the Spirit. This is not a how-to walk in the Spirit kind of thing. Really, it's, it's a little bit of a deviation from the text. It's just, it's, it's basically, let's, let's do a check here at the first of the year. Where are we? Am I, am I generally walking in the flesh or am I generally being controlled by the Spirit? Am I being led by the Spirit? So, what does it look like? Well, let's uh, read the text first. Galatians 5, verses 13 to 26. Would you please stand as we read the Word together? You know what? Just because I've got very little water and a very rough throat, let's do, let's do what we haven't done. We did it once, maybe. Let's, you read the passage, alright? Someone start in verse 13, read one or two or three, then pick it up all the way to the end of the chapter. And if, as, as is always the case, if, if no one reads, we're going to be standing for a very long time. So, so please jump in there with verse 13. You were called to freedom, brothers. Only do freedom as an opportunity to touch, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you fight and you wrong one another, wipe out this one and not 
Well, Father, we recognize that we are all capable of um, both of these things, both of these lists. Not We're incapable uh, fully of the fruit of the Spirit. We can imitate it. But if it's going to be genuine fruit, you have to be in charge. So, Lord, just burn on our hearts this day a desire to walk by the Spirit rather than by the flesh. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks and be seated. There are two kinds of Christians. Spiritual Christians or fleshly or or immature Christians. First Corinthians three one, Paul said, But I, brothers, could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. So what's going on this morning? Is it spiritual people in the congregation this morning or people of the flesh? Probably the answer is yes, because, you know, it just depends on on the day and on the moment. But we can go one of two ways as a believer. The implication that in this verse was that these believers in Corinth were not following Christ very well. They should have been much more spiritually mature than they were. Now, much of the rest of Paul's letter to the Corinthians was dedicated to addressing how these Problems were being played out and how the flesh was showing itself in so many different ways. And the immaturity of the Corinthian church had been revealed. This morning we're going to think about what our actions say about us. Uh, Quite a few years ago, we had a group of navigators, I believe they were from Chapel Hill, that came to TVR, a group from Carolina, and and I'm not mistaken, it was Mike Garrett was the leader of that group. And in one of the sessions, they were there for a winter retreat. In one of the sessions, uh, Mike started talking about evidence of the works of the flesh and works of the spirit. And I immediately started writing because I thought, boy, I, I, I want to see this. And, and it just impacted me to look at it and see myself so much on the wrong side of the column. So this morning, I want to share that list with you. Uh, there, there are going to be four primary categories under which uh, the two kinds of Christians is, will be seen under each of these categories. And we're going to talk about some of the evidence that points one way or another in our lives. For each category, I'm going to list the works of the flesh first and then the works of the Spirit. And if you're thoroughly confused right now, it'll make sense when we start going here in just a moment. Uh, let's list these four main categories and then we'll look back at them one at a time. The first is... Are we self-centered or God-centered and people-centered? If we walk in the flesh, we're going to be self-centered. And we're going to be God-centered, people-centered if the Spirit's in control. Secondly, walks in the flesh versus walks in the Spirit. Third, wants to be served versus wants to serve. And fourth, focuses on my needs and then focus on the needs of others. Now, Please understand, this list is not shared, so you can take a look at this and say, uh-huh, uh-huh, I need to stop doing that. I better start doing this. I'm going to move from the left column to the right column. Quit doing the bad stuff. Got to Look, that's what got the Galatians in trouble in the first place. They were trying to live for God in the strength of their flesh. We are dependent upon the Spirit to live through us and to get our lives off of ourselves. This list is given so that we'll understand who is in control of our lives. 
you know, and, and how does it happen that we let the spirit be in control? Well, an illustration uh, from a meeting that I had this week hopefully will help you as much as it helped me. I was speaking with a gentleman who's going through just a great deal of pain physically, emotionally, just a lot of different different things have come in his life. And I said, you know, I admire you so much. I never hear you complain. He said, I can't take credit for that. That's the Lord when I'm not complaining. He said, no, I do complain sometimes when you don't hear me. And that's the flesh, and I will take full credit for that. And it's true, isn't it? When the good stuff is happening, when it's really happening in our lives, it's the Spirit who is in control. It's the Lord who is in control. Not the flesh. So as we look at these lists, ask God to put you in the correct column because you can't force yourself to do what the flesh is absolutely incapable of doing. You can do it for a while. You can imitate for a while. But you're going to fall short. Well, in the first category, when the flesh is in charge, we become very self-centered. A self-centered person is always thinking of me first. And why shouldn't I? You know, are you one that says, it's too hot in here. It's too cold in here. Doesn't matter what anybody else feels. It's just, I don't like that. Everything is around me, 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 me. When the flesh is in charge, I am in control. And maybe I'm more subtle. Maybe I'm much more subtle. But still, I want life like I want it. And everybody else just better get in line. Or I'm going to find new friends. Personal pleasure is primary. No, I don't, I don't feel like doing that. I don't want to do that. I'd rather watch the game. I'd rather do this. I'd rather do that. Oftentimes, a, a self-centered person dominates the conversation. Now, we got different personalities. Some of us are talkers. Oh, I am a talker. Some of us are not. It doesn't mean that the talkers are unspiritual and the non-talkers are spiritual. That's not the point. But but it it is a temptation. If you're a talker, the temptation is to dominate the conversation. And if somebody else has been to China, you've been twice. You know, always one-upping them. Oh, you think that's something? Well, let me tell you a story. Oh, I am so terrible. I am bad for that. I've had a lot of funny things happen. And so when somebody tells a funny story, you know, I don't say it, but I may as well say, I can top that one. Listen to this. Flesh is in charge. And controls the group's plans. I mean, you know, three of you want to go to Subway. Three of, uh, three, your three friends want to go to Subway and you want to go to McDonald's. If you go to McDonald's, there's a problem. It's one thing to lead. It's another thing to control. Those are two different things. People are looking for a leader. They like somebody to take charge, which is okay. But don't control people based on what I want to do. Now, now think about how this plays out in, in marriage. And in families, and in churches, neighborhoods, work, a person who is controlled by the flesh is looking out for number one, and that's a good thing, because if you don't look out for yourself, ain't nobody else going to look out for you. That's the flesh talking there. Well, when the Spirit is in control, a person is God-centered, And people-centered. 
this person has proper priorities. A good way to tell who's in charge in your life, flesh or the spirit, is to, is, is to, to answer this question. How do you use your free time? I've shared this before. Linda used to say, um, well, you know, if God is first in my life and then you're second and then the family is third and then when I have free time, if I have not spent time with the Lord, that's what I do. And then I move from that to spending time with you or to doing something for you, with you. Then it's with the kids. Then it's with the like that. Now, you can you absolutely have to plan some downtime and free time in your life. If you live like that all the time, of course, you're just not going to get the emotional kind of the the healing that you need and the and, and the and the relief from the stress of the day. It'll constantly be. But a person who is God centered and people centered has proper priorities and God is in in the first place. Christ is the most important. That passage in Luke 14 25 to 33, Jesus said, if any man comes after me, take up his cross, deny himself, follow me. And, and and if you don't hate, if you don't love me more than you do, if you don't hate, in fact, your father, mother, wife, children, all those things. And he didn't mean hate them. You know, don't want you to go home from church and somebody say, what'd you learn today? Well, I got to hate you if I'm going to follow Jesus. I can tell you that right now. That's not the point. The point is, who do you love more? I mean, your love for him is so great that everything else comes in second place. And 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 Jesus is going to be first. And he said, and make sure you know what you're doing before you jump into this thing. A man who's going to build a house counts the cost before he gets into it. And if you're going to go to war and you've only got 10,000 and your soldier, your enemy has 20,000, you better make sure. Else you better make peace. You better know what you're doing before you get into it. You know, a person who is God-centered and people-centered loves people for who and what they are. Now, that doesn't mean that we're enablers, that we're codependent. It doesn't mean that we, we allow people to just live any old way that they want to. But you know what? There are certain things about your husband or wife you're never going to change. And when you quit trying, you're going to love them a lot better. Now, there's some things they need to change and they to be held accountable for. But some things are not going to change. Love them for who they are. What God made them to be. Same thing about your children and your parents. You ain't going to change them. A God-centered and people-centered person has concern for the individual because... Life's not just about me. It's about this person and that person. You know, I hope, I hope that you're the kind of person that that looks for the awkward individual, the one that doesn't feel as comfortable in a crowd as others, and then you, you come alongside that person and, and make them feel comfortable, make them feel accepted, make them feel like they belong, make them feel like they're a part. If you're me-centered, you're probably not going to give those people the time of day because they're not going to do anything to advance your place. They're not going to do anything to, to add to your pleasure and enjoyment. But if you walk by the Spirit, you're going to be doing just what Jesus did. You're going to be looking for the lepers. You're going to be looking for the outcast. And you're going to be saying, somebody loves you. It's me, but it's really Jesus. Through me. Well, next category. When the flesh is in charge, 
We walk in the flesh. We, that's our manner of life. That's our day to day go about it. Now look, this war goes on and on. You, you read in Galatians 5, the spirit is against the things of the flesh. The flesh is against the things of the spirit. And there's this constant war so that you cannot do the things that you want. It, it just hit me a, a year or two ago reading that passage in Galatians 5 that the Christian is always going to be conflicted. Always. When I'm walking in the flesh, I'm going to be saying, Oh, I don't want to be like this. Lord, please forgive me and help me. And when I'm walking in the Spirit, I'm gonna, I, can't, I can't help but notice certain things, you know. Constantly, my attention is being drawn. And somebody says something and it wells up inside of me and the flesh wants to take over. It's a constant battle. So, but the, what is the general tenor and direction of your life? Is it one of walking in the flesh or walking in the spirit? One who is walking in the flesh, this is how you know. He plots sin. You know, if I do this, I do that. Uh, uh-huh. Okay. No, I shouldn't do that, Lord. I shouldn't do that. Well, uh-huh. I might. He thinks on worldly things. Now, it's not wrong. To enjoy secular entertainment. But if that's all you're thinking about. You're just thinking about worldly things. You know. We all hear stuff. Jokes. Dirty jokes in fact. We know we shouldn't laugh at. We laugh at them. Why? Because they're funny. And you can't, there's no way you can avoid it sometimes. Sometimes they are. They're just funny. But I'm telling you. If you let that. that and I'm not saying that's okay. It's not okay. But if you start thinking like that, baby, you are heading down the wrong road. You you cannot keep a bird from flying over your head, but you can keep him uh, keep him from building a nest in your hair. I mean, you you absolutely there are certain things that are just going to come our way that we can't do. And frankly, some of those things are funny. Some of those things are amusing. And we laugh, we get a chuckle, but if we're constantly thinking about, if our mind just goes in that direction, we got a problem. And the problem is we're undisciplined. We may be disciplined about work, about certain things, but you know, it, it's very important that, that we come to the end of our, uh, our lives and we say, Lord, I gave the best effort I could at work. It's not the most important thing. Are you disciplined where it counts? If you're walking in the flesh, chances are you're not. We may actually even serve in the flesh. That actually is, is quite a problem for, for many of us. The flesh is good at observing and then imitating. But if it's in the flesh, sooner or later, it comes out. Well, if the Spirit is in control, though, we walk in the Spirit. Our delight is in the Lord. And consequently, our desires are right. We're thinking about godly things, things of the Lord. And there's so many things that we can do to, to help us with that. Listening to Christian music and, and, and just talking with our brothers and sisters about spiritual things rather than always talking about ball games and, and sales and, and movies and stuff like that. To, to make the, the conversation intentionally go toward things of the Lord. And, and one of our, 
difficulties in the church today is that we're so individualistic in America, and especially in the 70s and the 80s, early 80s, there was so much emphasis on discipleship as a one-on-one thing. It's you and God. It's you and God. No, it's not. It's us and God. Now, it is me and God to some degree, but it's also us and God. And we help each other. You know, i got to pray a certain amount of time. Well, a day. Well, spend some of that with your wife or your friends praying. And you're doing your disciplines because we're meant to do it as a body. I mean, what if you woke up one morning and you just were lying there in the bed and you said, left hand, get going. Right knee. And that's it. No, the body moves as a, as a unit. And, and we grow spiritually as a unit. And that's one of the ways that we, our desires can be focused on the Lord. We depend, when we're walking in the Spirit, we depend on God for leadership. We're not subject to the whims of the flesh. My personality is such that I can be driving down the road and I've got somewhere to go and I see something over there and, you know, something like hot donuts now, you know. And then, boom, I'm, I'm there, baby. How much of life is just that way? And it's not, I'm not just talking about the distractions that are, are temptations. We know things that we shouldn't do, but attitudes. I'm going along just fine, just fine. And then all of a sudden somebody says something and, you know, all of a sudden, it's not fun anymore. You know, now I'm upset. Now you've made me mad. person who walks in the Spirit displays all the fruit of the Spirit. And sensitive to personal shortcomings. Now, you know, this is not berating yourself. It's, it's, it's very good that we recognize our weaknesses and, and that we're sensitive to them. And that we don't say, well, it's just how I am. Take it or leave it, you know, your choice. Not like that, but by the same time, you're not constantly berating yourself for the shortcomings. God knows who we are. We're flesh. We're, 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 we're like the grass. We're passing away. We're dust. And he knows that. And he's patient with us. He's kind in his treatment of us. We could stand a little kindness for ourselves. Some of us could. Others of us, it would be good to let the Lord chisel away some of that exterior, that hard exterior that you have that doesn't allow you to think about, I need some Help in this area. Because I cannot do this in my own strength. Well, that's a person who walks in the Spirit. When the flesh is in charge, we want to be served. This person expects others to serve him, in fact. Overly sensitive to criticism. And builds own ego by criticizing others. All right, let's move on. That's... Let's don't move on. That's... um. That's very, very typical, isn't it? That we build ourselves up by tearing others down. Well, I might be bad, but I'm telling you one thing. I'm not as bad as this person or that person. Overly sensitive to criticism. Expects others to serve him. Person who walks in the Spirit wants to serve. In fact, 
looks for opportunities to serve. Goes the extra mile and prays for opportunities to serve. I, I know, I've said it two or three times, and I know most of you know what going the extra mile was. But let's just think about it. It's not like, you know, you're helping your good friend build a shed out back of his house or something, and you said, I've got to, I can only stay till about eight o'clock, and then I gotta go, and eight o'clock comes, and you say, tell you what, I'm gonna stay to nine. Let's get, let's get this thing done. That's not what going the extra mile is. The extra mile was when Roman soldier could walk along and he could say, hey, Jew boy, carry my bag for a mile. Now, I want you to know that the Jews knew exactly how far a mile was. Exactly. And when that mile had been completed, they would set that down. And he'd say, hey, go. He said, that's all I'm required by law to do and walk away. Can you imagine a Roman soldier saying, hey, Jew boy, carry this bag. And he says, certainly. And he got, does it for a mile. And then he says, all right, your time's up. Your distance is up. You go on. He says, no, I'll, I'll take it another mile. Going the extra mile isn't just doing something really nice for your friends. It's doing something really ridiculously unexpected and nice for your enemies. A person who is led by the flesh is overly sensitive to criticism. A person who is led by the Spirit wants to serve, looks for opportunities to serve, even prays for opportunities to serve. Wouldn't that be a good thing for us to do? Just think about the person that you would consider your enemy. Now, you might not consider it. You might not think about it in those terms. You not, might not want to think about it in those terms. But somebody that's really mistreating you in your mind anyway, just pray for an opportunity to serve that person this week. That'd be a good prayer, wouldn't it? And you know what? God will change your heart in amazing ways if you do that. Well, when the flesh is in charge, the focus is on my needs. That's not a surprise. Unconcerned about other struggles. We're back to, you think you got problems? Let me tell you about my problems. You think that's something? That's nothing. Let me tell you about my problems. And so, we focus in on, you know, without question, it was a huge help to me when I lost my wife to cancer. It was a huge help to me to be able to focus on some of your needs and some of your problems. I'm not kidding. It, it, because it got me out of that feeling sorry for myself, which is very, very easy to do. It made me think about others. And, and I told you this too before, but... When you would say, well, I got a problem, but it's nothing like you. Don't say that. Every problem is a big problem right now. Every problem that I have is a big problem to me. And if you get to the place where something like that, you're required to walk through something like that, you'll look back and say that was nothing. But right now it's big. And really that's all you can do is live in the now. But if you've got something that's really just beating you down, why not look out? And care about others. And we all know this principle. And i got to tell you, sometimes it's almost impossible to do. But just ask God to give you a heart. Give you a heart that can reach out and care 
about others. And by the way, when I say that about how much easier it was for me, I was forced to do it. It's not like I went looking for opportunities to help people in their struggle and their need. So you may need to ask God to bring people into your lives that you absolutely can't ignore. If you're going through a really tough time, ask Him to give you someone to help that you can't ignore. But when the flesh is in, in charge, I don't care about other people's problems. I got my own mess to deal with. And I feel sorry for myself. And there's a strong desire for glory because I'm the center of my own universe. I don't want other people to get credit, especially get credit for something that I've done. I don't want them to get credit anyway because I have this insatiable appetite for people to recognize me. Well, when the Spirit is in control... The focus is on the needs of others. And I see beyond the surface needs. See, a lot of us want to pretend that we care. You doing all right? You doing okay? Yeah, okay, well, good, good. I'm glad to hear that. And, you know, you're walking out. How you doing? You Are you? Well, I'm okay. Good, good. I'm glad. You didn't. How could you have missed it? How could you have missed? I need to talk to you. I need to tell you something. You did. When the Spirit is in control, I'm, I'm focusing on the needs of others. I pray for others. And others' welfare is, more, welfare is more important than my own. And I don't care about personal glory because God is the center of my universe. When I'm focusing on my own needs, when the flesh is in charge, I am the center of my own universe. When the Spirit is leading me when I'm walking in the Spirit. God is the center of the universe. So what does this list mean? Galatians 5.25. Tell you what, I'm, I'm going to leave this notebook up here. These lists are up here. If you didn't finish writing, I saw a lot of people writing. If you didn't finish writing, you can get it. Galatians 5.25 says, If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. With all this incredible teaching on walking in the Spirit in Ephesians uh, Galatians 5, it comes down to this. If we live in the Spirit, if we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. In other words, this incredible person and power lives in you. Why in the world do you want to be in charge? If He lives in you, walk according to His direction. Get out of the way with your own desires. Let Him take over. Walk according to His cadence. The word walk here is different from the word walk in verse 16, where He says, walk in the Spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Here, it's walking in march, in step. It's in cadence. The cadence is being called and you're walking just like a soldier. It's like a group of soldiers following the lead. Of the one calling out the orders. And who calls it out? God does. The Holy Spirit wrote the Bible. And that's where our marching orders are found in Scripture. Heard someone say years ago, The Word-filled life is the Spirit-filled life. That's not always true, but it is about 95% of the time. If your life is filled up, your heart and mind is filled up with the Word of God, then the Spirit is going to be... He's calling out. 
you see where it says, love your neighbor as yourself. And, and the Spirit says, I, I don't... No, the Spirit doesn't have any question. He says, you're not doing that. Now, it may, you may hear, I don't know if I'm really doing that like I should. But the Spirit's telling you. And you say, Lord, help me to do what I am incapable of doing myself. And when you, when your life, when your mind is filled with the Word, then the center of all Scripture, who is Jesus, is going to be the center of your attention. You're going to be finding Jesus over and over and over in the Word. And you're going to find yourself walking by the Spirit. Well, let's pray. Lord, um, we confess that we spend a lot of time walking in the flesh and we don't like to think of ourselves that way, but we are. It's not natural to walk in the Spirit. It's, it, Lord, it's supernatural. But when you take over our lives and when Jesus is magnified in our hearts and then when the Word and the plan of the Father that was written by the Spirit is made real in our hearts, and then we are given the ability by the Spirit, the one who wrote the Word. What a difference. Everything changes. So, Lord, change us fully and completely. May we walk by the Spirit in 2010. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thank you. Stand for the benediction.